Welcome to the Creative Land Podcast Network. Join us as we share our favorite RPGs, one-shot games, tabletop games, reviews of items, and convention panels, and other exciting things that we run into from time to time. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, assigned to Ragnarok Story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the 5th Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. Hey guys, Jim here from Creative Flame Podcast Network. I've got a special guest this week, a friend of ours, Jim, from Crit Hit, a local gaming con in Arizona, and I wanted to make sure to share what he does and the convention with all of you guys, because hey, anytime you go to a gaming con, that's where you need to be going to game with your friends. Hey, Jim. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Yeah, no, you definitely got to get together with friends and game. That's what it's all about. Oh, heck yeah. The social aspect is what make, makes gaming awesome. Uh, don't get me wrong. Like, there's, there's, there's a time and a place to, like... Like do what I do, which is like sit around and obsessively read RPG books all day. But eventually, you actually have to pick up some dice, and that's that's where cons come in, where they're great. <laughs> so for the folks that haven't heard of Crit, go ahead and give them a quick rundown. It's it's going to be the third year for the con, right? Yeah, hopefully this will be the third year. Uh, we're a crowd-funded uh, convention, so I always say that we're community-funded. So uh, we're up on Kickstarter right now. And this will be our third year. We started off as a, as focused on RPGs because I always felt that RPGs uh, were never quite handled quite right at some of the other conventions in town. And um, and that's kind of where uh, where my heart lies. I love board games. I'm a big board gamer. I play a lot of different kinds of board games. But in my heart of hearts, I love RPGs. And so I made this little event called Crit Hit, and we've steadily grown in the last two, three years. So we're going to be in Phoenix, July 13th, 14th, and 15th. This year is going to be a little bit different. We're expanding our board game section. So we're going to have even more board games than we had last year because uh, we do have some board games. Um, we're going to have an expanded vendor hall, more panels, and then we're doing something a little bit different with our RPGs. We're going to have one hall, uh, which I'm calling the Dragon Hall, and that's going to be primarily for uh, D&D and some Pathfinder and they're going to be kind of in their own section. And then everything else is going to be in living room suites. So there's going to be 13 suites uh, with living rooms in them. And you're actually going to play you know, your RPGs in a living room setting at, uh, at Crit Hit. So that's kind of what it's all about. That's awesome. I mean, I know at uh, RingCon and Tuscon this year, some of the best gaming experiences we had were in like the suites that had the living room. So that right. way you have a, it feels like you're at home gaming with your friends at the convention. It does. Yeah, that's really cool. And and that was something, you know, that I really liked about Rincon was, was that they did that. My very first experience going to a convention was in the late 90s. It was an RPG convention. It was actually the first convention I ever attended. And I went, uh, I had uh, I'd been running Call of Cthulhu for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, about a year or two. So still pretty new, but I wanted to play this game because I've been running it for, like I said, for about a year, a year and a half or so. And so I went to this convention in Denver. And I was hanging out with a bunch of people, and it was really fun. And he was like, okay, it's time for me to go to my Call of Cthulhu game. So I 
couldn't find it. So I'm asking people, I was like, Hey, where is this? And they're like, Oh, that's, that's in a hotel suite. It's upstairs. And so I was like, okay, that's weird. Cause I'd never done that before. Right. And, um, and so I go wandering into this hotel and go up into, I was like, this is how people get killed in call of Cthulhu. Like this is <laughs> like, it's ironic that I'm gonna go play call of Cthulhu. Cause this is exactly what happens when people get killed in these games that I run. But, um, <laughs> I opened the door and there was a den of nerds and we played call of Cthulhu and it was amazing. It was the first and only time that I've ever played call of cthulhu because i've never managed to play it because i'm always running it yeah so i've only played call of cthulhu once and it was one of my favorite games for the longest time and my first like i said my first con game experience was in a suite and that always struck me and it was always something that i had kind of wanted for crit hit because my big thing with rpgs is that they generally on a big room and it's it's kind of noisy and, and that works well for some games like your D and, and pathfinder and things like that they work well when you can sort of feed off of each other and there's a vibe when you go in the room but um, i'm kind of an indie rpg guy now so i'm really about mood and setting and mm-hmm. tone and and i'm naturally soft-spoken so it's hard for me to run games in a convention because i have a voice that just doesn't carry very well and like i can raise my voice like i know how to how to do that but when i whenever i like raise up the volume um it sounds like i'm angry and i'm not but that's just how my voice sounds when i tend to like turn up the volume on it people start to think that i'm pissed and i'm really not so con running games at cons were kind of hard for me so i wanted to do something where it was smaller and more intimate and a little bit quieter and you can have that mood and stuff like that and um and that's how crit hit started and that naturally evolved to this year um i said i want to have everything that's not D and pathfinder in these little living room suites that's awesome i mean i just just from a GM and convention basis, I understand exactly what you mean. Because when you're playing, you're getting the... I mean, it's great to get the energy, but you're getting the bleed over of other games and things like that. And then all of a sudden, you'll look over at a table and you like, you don't want to say something to hush it down because their mood is, is blowing your group's mood. Or all of a sudden, right. you get really excited. The table stands up and cheers and you realize, oops, sorry. Sorry, guys. We didn't mean to like disturb the whole room. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Like I said, that works sometimes. And, and like some of the things that we're trying to do for D&D is, is, uh, you know, we're working on, on trying to get an epic going. Nice. And, and, and in an epic setting, you want, you want that, right? You want yeah. the want it big and boisterous and stuff like that. So, and there's some context where that works, but, um, you know, but like for a lot of the little small indie games that I like to run, um, that, that doesn't tend to work as well. So speaking of the indie games, what would you say personally for you is your top three indie games right now? Oh, <laughs> Prepare for this one. Oh my God, that's like the worst question to ask me in the world. All right, all right, all right, all right. We, we can always go uh, back to that one later. No, 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 no. See, now I'm thinking. Oh my God, I was not prepared for that one. All right, let's see. Top three right now, like right now, like today. Mm-hmm. Okay, if it was today, see, because I have like, like, if it's the year, I got the year, but like, if we're talking today, um, Seventh uh, C. Gotta uh, love that one. John, yep. Yes, Seventh mm-hmm. C is amazing. Um, it's a huge influence on some of the projects that I'm working on because I'm I'm working on a second RPG that I've written, and um, and Seventh C is a big influence on that. Um, so Seventh C for sure. Um, and um, let's see what else is is really high. There's a game called The Sword, The Crown, and the Unspeakable Power that isn't out yet. It kickstarted and it's a PBTA game. It's a powered by the apocalypse game. Yeah. Um, but it's, um, it's, it's basically game of Thrones. Um, so it's not so much like dungeon world where it's like, you know, kicking a dungeon and kill monsters and take their stuff kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. This is more like political intrigue and, and, and machinations and stuff like that. So almost like a, almost like a, a, a it's very drama focused. Like it's very much on, 
how to manipulate people and situations and, and it gets you know almost like almost like monster hearts if, if anybody's familiar with monster hearts where it's really about the drama the interpersonal drama between people so the sword of the crown the unspeakable power is is on my top games and then let me see for a third you know um i'm gonna have to say um and this is almost uh, uh, cthulhu dark is is really high on my list right now um cthulhu dark is a very rules light um uh lovecraftian horror game so it's made to sort of like i, I was reading online a couple of years ago that people were playing Call of Cthulhu Adventures, but they were using the system called Cthulhu Dark. It's basically, it's two pages of rule, and it's it's really streamlined, it's really quick, it's really easy, and it's it's really well done. As those two rules, like I said, it's got a, it's got a pretty big following. He had, uh, The guy who wrote it had like a large uh, Kickstarter. He put out this big, beautiful book, and I love the book. Um, I read Cthulhu Dark, and I like it a lot. I, I don't love it, um, but I like it a lot. Um, there was a couple things that I that I felt were missing from it, and then so Cthulhu Dark was such an inspiration to me that I actually took that and another game called Lasers and Feelings. So so I'm kind of cheating because I'm going to give you two number threes, um, <laughs> Cthulhu Dark and Lasers and Feelings, and I basically took these two games and I just like squished them together and threw some duct tape on them with a couple of extra mechanics that I sort of like tacked on to the top of it, like in this weird uh, golem-like uh, Frankenstein. <laughs> thing that I created and I created a game called fear and reason, uh, which is basically a hack of Cthulhu dark and lasers and feelings mixed together. But that all stemmed from me reading, uh, both, uh, Cthulhu dark and lasers and feelings. And then I just got the Kickstarter for Cthulhu dark, which is a, a beautiful book. So those are my top three right now. That's, that's awesome. And as a GM, that's what we do is we take what we love and, you know, leave some parts behind and, you know, Oh yeah. Any anything that makes the game mechanics work for your story. Right. Yeah. And 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 they do. Like, you know, there's some games that you know I, I read a lot of RPGs. I know a lot of indie RPGs, and that's kind of where my heart is. Especially in the last, I don't know, like five years or so, six years, I've really been into heavy indie RPGs. Um, but there's still some games that I like that are out there that I know that people love. And and the the best way I can explain them of like why I don't play those particular games is because I'm not good enough to play them. Like I'm not smart enough to to really grok, so to speak, like what's happening in some of those games. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Cthulhu Dark is one of those games. Like I'm I don't think I'm good enough. Like I think I think now because the Kickstarter book is out and the Kickstarter book the book that he put out for for the Kickstarter for Cthulhu Dark is this big beautiful book. It's like you know it's like 200 pages. But there's like a good 15 pages of him just explaining how these mechanics, these really simple two-page mechanics, how they should work. And then he goes on to explain how to write a Cthulhu story. And because that book, I think it's made me smarter. It's made me uh, really understand kind of what was going on behind those those two pages where I saw it before. And I was like, yeah, I don't quite get it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um because I think it was just kind of above my my skill set as a GM to really understand how these you know super heavy narrative games operate, and and so that that was a that's it's it's kind of good that I read that before the Kickstarter when it was just simply two pages, um, because if I had gotten the Kickstarter book, I would have never have hacked it, uh, because that the Kickstarter book you know, explains everything so well and it's so good and it's so elegant. It's so simple that I wouldn't have hacked it to create my own game. Um, 
so it's kind of a double-edged sword. But but there's a certain a certain set of games out there that are just kind of like I feel beyond me. And, and, and Cthulhu Dark was definitely one of them where I didn't get it, so I couldn't I couldn't understand how to how to run it effectively and, and that kind of a thing. So that, yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I mean, it's one of those if it's you know you can run a game just spitballing because you're running a story, but it's when the mechanics you just you, you don't feel comfortable. Right, right. And the mechanics are light, but um, but yeah, it was it was one of those things. Um, and so yeah, so I just start hacking stuff and picking what I like and using what I like, and what I didn't like, and and um, and combining things together. And, and yeah, that's that's what GMs do. That's what we've always done. That's that's why it's called house rule. You know, we come exactly. up with stuff and house rule it, and if it works for the story, that's great. If not, well, we can always change next time. Yeah, exactly. So for crit hit this year. Do you guys have an overall theme for the convention? Yeah, so every year we we try and have a theme. The first year was 7C um, because it was right after just that unbelievable Kickstarter that John Wick had. <laughs> yep. Uh, was well, I think it's still the number one RPG Kickstarter of all time. Yeah, like uh, what three so, hours? It was not even that. It was he raised over a million. Yeah like a million and a quarter or a million and a half. It was, it was just a ridiculous amount of money. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I was like, well, let's have, you know, and John is local and, and I've known him for a couple of years through various circles up here in Phoenix. And mm-hmm. so I asked him to be the guest of honor. So it was sort of seven C we had quite a few seven C games. Um, last year, 2017 was the savage summer. And uh, that was amazing. My go-to system for the longest time <laughs> was savage worlds. And it still is. I still like absolutely love Savage Worlds. And so I had Shane Hensley. I had Ron Blessing from down in Tucson. Um, I had Sean Patrick Fannin up. Like I had a bunch mm-hmm. of uh, some of the heavy hitters from uh, from Pinnacle uh, show up at Crit Hit. And, uh, and there's just so much Savage Worlds love happening. I mean, like we were so heavy on Savage Worlds games. We have all kinds of games at Crit Hit. We have you know, D&D Pathfinder. We have all kinds of indie games and, and OSR games. We have a, a really strong OSR thing happening. And But there was just so much Savage going on. It was awesome. And I loved every minute of it. So that was last year. Um, this year, uh, I wanted to go. Uh, it's basically like the theme is basically stuff that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, ultimately, Crit Hit is always like this con that's what I would want to attend. And the ironic part is I don't get to enjoy anything that I create like for these cons because I never get to do it. Like I'm so busy running them. But I'm, I create a con that basically is like, what would Jim like? And so the themes are, are part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this year, I really like OSR. I love the OSR. Um, I, I go from I love super light two page narrative games that are super heavy story. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and then I turn around and I'm like, I love Dungeon Crawl Classics. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I love, you know, that kick down the door, kill the monsters, take their stuff kind of a thing. I love that old school aesthetic. I like the, the line art, you know, the old school line art. Yep. I like everything looking like a heavy metal cover, like an album cover. <laughs> and so this year is uh, Murder Hobos and Holiday. And uh, Murder Hobos on Holiday is supposed to evoke that 80s 80s vibe because that's you know I'm a kid from the 80s. Yeah. That's that's when I, that's when D and D was in its heyday. Um, and there's this sort of zeitgeist about people kind of going back because of Stranger Things and and things like Critical Role where people are discovering D and D again. And I wanted to do something that sort of celebrates the OSR, which is kind of a another side of Dungeons and Dragons that I think people don't don't know is out there or mm-hmm. haven't played it. Um, especially younger people like, you know, uh, a lot of millennials are really into D and D and that's awesome. But there's, there's a whole older set of subset of folks like myself that we remember a totally different style of playing. Like, 
you know, I think most millennials grew up in either 3.5 or fourth edition and now are playing fifth, which is amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's all good. But there is an older style of play that is, that is way different, is way different than anything that we, we play today. And, um, subsequently there's been a movement to sort of resurrect this style of play and keep it alive and it's growing and thriving and doing very, very well. And so I wanted this year to be, you know, this murder hobos and holiday where it's, it's the celebration of the old school of role playing and the new school of gamers that are out and this big mesh of, of just like awesomeness of just like everything that's fantasy. A lot of the eighties tropes are in there. Like I even designed a logo this year to look very eighties and, yep. and that kind of thing. It's got um, that laser landscape and yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and that, that was all. Yeah, I so last year, I, you know, I came up with the logo last year, and part of the design, you know, I'm, I'm, I have a background in graphic design, but one of the things that I always wanted with a logo was something that I can change every year, mm-hmm. but it's still the same, but it changes, so I can change the colors and play with it. And so this year, it's Crit Hit Three is the official name of it. The first two years were the the years so as you know, 2016 and Crit Hit 2017, but this year I went with three because. You know, in the 80s, you had all these sequels, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Jaws Part 3D and, <laughs> and, you know, and Friday the 13th 3D. And, and I almost called it 3D, but I figured that'd be kind of confusing. <laughs> um, so it's Crit Hit 3, and I wanted this almost Stranger Things kind of logo and, and very laser in the 80s. And yeah, so it should be fun. Yeah, and of course, you know, the, the Crit Hit, you know, meet, learn, play, you know, the classic, you know, that that's exactly what the convention is. You meet new people, you learn how to play new games, and you just have fun and play. Yeah, that's that's really important to me for Crit Hit is the social aspect of it. From day one, uh, there's been that ethos of meet, learn, play, and and that's those are our values. That's what I I say is the heart and soul of Crit Hit is those three things. You know, the con. And I hesitate to use the word con because everyone else has sort of made me use the word con, mm-hmm. and and I need to start stepping away from that because I, I have a whole opinion on, on conventions, mm-hmm. uh, partic- particularly game conventions. But but the event was always designed to be social, um, was always designed to be, hey, go to Crit Hit, play with some strangers, and then connect with them. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. grab some phone numbers, grab some emails, you know, start Facebooking each other, and then outside of the con, start, you know, start playing some more games. Thank you. Because uh, a big part of it is finding a group, right? It's finding a GM. It's finding players. Finding somebody who understands the game that you want to play, right? Like, I like all these weird games that nobody's ever heard of, but there's like, they're being played at Crit Hit, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's like, well, if I find, you know, if I knew, if I know that like there's two other people or three other people that are really into Dungeon Crawl Classics, then I, you know, I want to get their number, you know, or get their email or something and message them and go, hey man, we need to play some more DCC sometime. Exactly. And, and that's, that's kind of how the con is run. Um, uh, there, the games, even the board games are set up on four hour blocks. Um, board games are set up on two hour blocks, but no matter what, um, at, at the end of four hours, even on board games, um, every four hours, there's a one hour break where there are no games being run. See, that's good. So you're not having overlap between one running long and one, you know, wanting to start on time. That's that's a really good way of doing it. Right. And and so one was to prevent the overlap issue. Um, but I still ask, you know, GMs end on time. Yeah. The reason for that is because I want to give everyone a break. 
right? Like grab a drink, go grab a beer, go grab a burger, and then sit and talk, like hang out with these people, talk about what you just did, like socialize. Um, I think we spend a lot of time on our phones. We spend a lot of time on computers. You know, we're just connected all the time. And in role-playing games in particular, or any tabletop game is, is, is an opportunity to interface with another human. And, and I think that that's really important today. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to build in a social aspect to crit hit where people can actually talk. And, and so that's why there's a, there's a one hour break between like, like I said, go grab a beer and then sit and just kind of bullshit with your friends and be like, Hey man, that was awesome. Like we just like, you know, we're a bunch of ninjas and we just kick the shit out of this dragon thing. And, <laughs> and like, you know, that's, what's fun is, is, is having that camaraderie of gamers. Yeah. I mean, then you can sit there and have the no shit there we were moment, you know, right. all of a sudden it's like, you and, and, and this best, one of the best parts of gaming is even if you just finished the game, you can reminisce about who had the coolest scene and, and, you know, cheer your teammates on of dude, when you did this thing, it was freaking amazing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or the, like, you almost died. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were dead. <laughs> My favorite order, they always, I thought you were dead. Like, I thought that was the end of the game. Like, I thought that was it. I was done. <laughs> I'm going to go grab some food. I'll be back in a couple hours. Um, yeah. I love that. I love that part of it. And that's always fun. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's true. I mean, so gaming is such a social thing. Of and like when you're you're having snacks at your gaming table, you're basically breaking bread together. So you're having a social, you know, communion of of gamingness. And you know, how how can you not have a good time? And the beauty of the overlap too is that way game masters can talk to each other. Because like one thing I love with conventions is seeing different game styles of how different GMs can run the same game but completely different. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, which, absolutely. Which I always recommend anyone that's wanting to get into game mastering is go to conventions, play with different GMs, see how different folks have different styles. Oh yeah, uh, that's that's a big, big, big thing. So I always look at because I'm I'm a GM. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't get to play as many RPGs um, as I would like. I hear uh, you there. <laughs> but, but even if I had the opportunity, I still love running games mm-hmm. more than I think playing them. Um, and so I, I always look at things from a GM side and I always tell GMs, like if you're, if you're writing your own system or if you're, you're a GM, you owe it to your players to know and have played in other systems besides the one that you run because you're going to learn something. Oh yeah. You know, if you're a D and D GM and, and you don't know, um, you don't know why Savage Worlds works the way that it works. Like you're you're doing it a service to your to your table. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're a Pathfinder GM and you, and you don't understand how the principles and and the moves for a GM work in Dungeon World, uh, you're doing a disservice to your table. If you're and conversely, if you're if you're just you know uh, into like Dungeon World and you don't understand the crunch of an OSR the deadliness of like making a bad mistake with the wrong monster. And then you're just, you're toast. Um, you're doing the service to your, to your table. You owe it to your players to be a well-rounded GM and learn all these systems and then do what GMs do, which is take what works to your table. And, and, uh, you know, something like credit is a perfect opportunity to do that. Oh yeah. I mean that, that, and as a GM, you can always try something new too. Like, for convention games, it's great because you can do one shot. So you can go completely out there, try something completely new and see if it works. And if it doesn't, well, it's a convention game. Next game, we'll try something different. 
Exactly. Exactly. As long as you're upfront with your players in that that case, though. Right. Or sometimes you know you just try things, right? Like so, um, I love Dungeon Crawl Classics. I mentioned that a couple times. Um, <laughs> but but there's another game um, that like is is becoming like my new OSR darling, and uh, it's this game called Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells. And basically, it's like mixing. I don't know how much how much indie games you know, but it's like mixing the black hack. Mm-hmm. And Dungeon Crawl Classics together, okay. and it's this beautiful, slim, lean, mean game uh, that gives you everything in an OSR. Like it's just, it's exactly what you want, and uh, and it's a beautiful, streamlined. Just, just I love. It's so elegant. It's such an elegant system that I love it, and um, and so I'm taking uh, Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells, and then I'm taking um, basically. I write out questions the way I would for a dungeon world game mm-hmm. for an adventure. So in dungeon world or in, you know, powered by the apocalypse, you don't so much write out like uh, rooms one through 20 and then you fill the rooms with all this stuff. You know, you, you basically come up with questions to ask the players and you sort of build off of those answers and you tell a story together. That's sort of how story games work. Mm-hmm. Well, OSR is, is different. OSR is you, you, know, you have room 1 through 20, and then you stock the rooms with the stuff that's in there and the traps and all that other crap. But I'm taking an OSR system, Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells, and I'm writing adventures like the way I would for Dungeon World. So it's just a series of questions. And I'm using Dungeon World moves to spurn sort of you know my reactions. And so I'm combining those two things. As a GM, and I tell people, like, hey, this is not, you know, I don't know what's what's in the room. I have no idea. We're going to find out together, though. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a shared storytelling discovery, you know. Right. Yeah. It, it, but the rules are OSR. You mm-hmm. know, it's a roll. It's you know, roll a twenty. You roll a d twenty, and you have a target number, and then you hit it, and you can crit, and you can crit fail, and something really bad can happen, or something really awesome. Like it has all the swinginess of of an OSR game, <laughs> but I, I'm running it very narratively. Um, using the principles of something like Dungeon World. And and you can do that at a con. You can just be like, hey, we're going to do some crazy shit and see what happens. Yeah, and the nice thing, too, is is like for GMs that are trying to write your own material, it's a great way of getting feedback, too. I mean, oh, absolutely. Because that way you've got, you know, it's not just your home game group and you're getting the same answers you do because it's, you know, the, the way they naturally answer and filter things. It's These are random people off the street who are not vested in your game at all, and they're giving you honest answers. Right, right, yeah. And, and and it is interesting when you when you play with new players for the first time how that can be so different. How it's like they can hit you from a different point of view that normally you're not used to receiving because you're you've conditioned yourself as a GM to I know these eight to ten responses I get from my gaming group, you know. Right. And 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 that's important, especially especially if you're writing something that you want to publish, like so our um our uh, uh, director of, of RPGs this year is one of the hosts of Full Metal RPG podcast, mm-hmm. um, Adam Sink. And Adam has an adventure he's writing, um, which he's already written. It's it's done. I think he's just kind of putting finishing touches on it. But he's but he's run it at conventions. He ran it you know this summer at Crit Hit, and he's still running it and still refining it. And it's such a brilliant module, such a brilliant adventure, and. You know, him playing it at cons and getting feedback from just different people with different perspectives and different levels of um, 
experience. Like, I don't mean experience points, like the character wise, I mean like the actual person playing, mm-hmm. you know, he's played with veteran RPG players who played for 20 years, you know, and he's also ran it for like for crystal. Who's, who's my partner. And she, you know, crystal hasn't really played hardly any RPGs. Um, so she's pretty new to, to RPGs. She knows board games, but not so much role playing games. And she played the adventure and loved it. So, you know, doing cons or doing events or just, you know, publicly playing these games is great for feedback and it helps you, you know, helps you get, get your adventure where you need it to be and be nice and tight. And it's just fun because, you know, it's conventions. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and Adam has a, so I'll, I'll, he's, he's, it's not a secret. He has a, he has a, um, a game that's basically, it's called, uh, ponies of sin. And it's basically Hellraiser meets My Little Pony, where <laughs> friendship is magic and magic is heresy, and uh, and it's exactly what you, what it sounds like, and it's exactly as gruesome and like horrible as you think it could be. <laughs> it's that, and and it's just amazing. It's it's so it's so great. So I read through it and I love it. I'm just imagining a little 40k Inquisition thrown in there too. <laughs> There's a little bit of that in there, yeah, yeah, because they're. Uh, the guys, if, if you ever listen, if you're not listening to Full Metal RPG, it's another great uh, local Arizona podcast on games. And those guys are, are like they're deep into into 40k. Like they they have they have addiction problems with plastic. Like <laughs> I love them. That that's that's one that I I only got into the the reading of the RPG books and the right. uh, never got into the tabletop aspect because my wallet couldn't afford that and my RPG habit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and and I suck at painting things. Like I don't I don't have time to sit and paint stuff. So that's what's <laughs> kind of kept me out of it. Um, but they're slowly they're slowly winding me. Like so, the other host is is Brendan Carrion, and and uh, so I love these guys, but they're fucking assholes. Like that's just there's no way around that. But they're so, lovable. That's the important part. They're lovable. Yeah, but they're still assholes. Because I'll, I'll tell you, what, you know, I'll give you an example. You know, it's my birthday. And, and Brendan comes over and he's like, hey, happy birthday, man. And he like hands me this package. So I'm like, you fucking dick. <laughs> he hands me, he hands me a pack. Cause I had mentioned that I wanted to play cause Blood Bowl had just come out. And mm-hmm. so I was like, oh, I want to play Blood Bowl. But yeah. And he's like, oh, where did you play? I was like, oh, I like Skavens. Cause I played this game back in the day called Mordheim. And I really like the Skavens. It's little rat guys. And they're pretty cool. And he's like, oh, that's cool. So for his, for my birthday, he gives me a squad of Skaven Blood Bowl guys. I'm like, oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Like, you know exactly what you just did because yep. you give me, you give me the Skaven. So now I went out and dumped money into a fucking Blood Bowl game. <laughs> so now I have Blood So that, so slowly I'm getting into the miniatures part of it. I, I like, I like skirmish games. I love skirmish games. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think, uh, and that's how you get me is, is like 40k and, and, uh, these big, you know, armies don't, they don't appeal to me. Mm-hmm. But you give me a nice tight skirmish game with like, you know, ten minis. Oh yeah. And, oh, that's so delicious. It's so sweet, <laughs> and I love that. And uh, and so now there's more and more of these games coming out. Which is um, great. So uh, speaking of which, um, I have a skirmish game that's coming out. I forgot all about that shit. Um, I have a skirmish game that's going to be coming out to Crit Hit uh, from LA. It's called Wild in the Streets, and it's a it's a it's a street skirmish game between like street gangs. Mm-hmm. But the street games are all like punks and goths and stuff. <laughs> so like a and, warriors kind of thing. Yeah, it's very much a warriors <laughs> kind of thing. Like so there's these little like goth girls and like ballerina skirts and big boots, and they have like knives. 
and uh and yeah and then there's like there's like all these gutter punks with like mohawks and shit and i'm like and that's how i grew up like i grew up in hollywood like around all this stuff so like i saw that and i was like oh that's me i want to play that <laughs> um, so they're coming out to crit hit is, is a skirmish game called wild in the street so that's, that's, that's cool. a yeah i could just see some of my friends who love doing miniatures having a blast painting those oh yeah they're they're, they're great minis that's freaking awesome i have to look that one up yeah, it's a small game, Wild in the Streets, and uh, it's 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 so much fun. I've played it. I got to play it. Uh, Brendan has it, and, and we spent an afternoon playing it. It was, it was just a lot of fun. <laughs> so are, is there going to be any uh, big special guests this year coming out that you can actually slip slip out and tell us about, or uh, is it still uh, close to the vest? Um, it's it's a little close to the vest, so there's there's a whole strategy um, to the Kickstarter because we're crowdfunded. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first is, is kind of like, hey, we're out there. And uh, so this this week, I'm really concentrating on on the board game aspect because I think most people don't think of Crit Hit. They think of they don't think of board games, but uh, but De- Crit Hit definitely has a plan for board games. And uh, so this next week or so is going to be really talking about the narrative of the plan of board games. And then I'm also going to start talking about some of our guests. Um, and uh, they're uh, a couple of them are not 100% final, but um, I will give you one is um, uh, Zach uh, Glazer. And Zach Glazer works for um, Frog God Games, and they do a, a lot of stuff with the OSR. And um, he's going to be coming out, and and uh, he's he's a brilliant writer, and he, he develops a lot of the product for Frog God Games. If, if you're into OSR, kind of old-school um you know, dungeon crawling kind of stuff. Fraud mm-hmm. God is one of the top publishers, in my opinion, for this types of adventures. Like that's what they do. Um, you got you got uh, Goodman Games who does Dungeon Crawl Classics. Their modules are like top notch. And then, um, but you know, they're for they're made for Dungeon Crawl Classics, which is a separate system. It's not quite OSR. Yeah. But if you're just going straight OSR, like you're playing, you know, Labyrinth Lord or uh, Swords and Wizardry or or Black Hack or something like that. Uh, Frog God Games is, is definitely like the top tier of publishers out right now doing just really incredible stuff. And so Zach's coming out for sure. That's cool. There's another guest who, uh, he, so far everything is saying yes. Um, I'm, I'm hesitant to, to say who it is, but um, let's see, what kind of hints can I drop? Um, he's a big publisher with a tiny game. And, um, and this is a, a role-playing game, so... Uh, he's, he's a big name. He's made a big splash, but he has a tiny game, and mm. <laughs> and uh, and he just came out with another tiny game. And it's not Tiny Epic Kingdoms. It's not that. It's not the board games. It's, we're talking RPGs. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll let uh, if you're really into sort of indie games, you can try and kind of figure out who that one is. Um, and I think Ben Warner's coming out. Um, who's worked do. <laughs> World of Dew uh, and Cold Shadows, mm-hmm. which is a big one that he's been working on. Um, that he worked on was Cold Shadows, um, which is another PBTA game. Um, and, and he's got a Western game that's coming out that's kind of based sort of on uh, World of Dew. Mm-hmm. It's, it's got his own mechanic. We played at uh, Rincon with him. Yeah. We and... just try to, to hang out with Ben whenever he's in Tucson. Oh, I love Ben. Ben's great. He's a great guy. Um, uh, John's going to be out running 7C again. Um, and then there's, uh, there's a couple of other guests that, that, that I'm, I'm holding close to the vest. I'm getting ready to, to announce. So I just need to finalize a couple of things. Because of course, scheduling issues can always come up. So 
that that is one of those things you have to you know just in case yeah no for sure yeah scheduling is, is definitely a thing especially especially for us but uh but yeah so there's there's definitely gonna be some guests um this year there's not gonna be quite as many guests we're gonna have some a good amount of guests um but i'm really focusing on the play experience uh for crit hit uh this is this is definitely like our most ambitious year that uh that we've had as far as like what we're trying to do with the convention yeah that's great i mean you know after all it is it's a little nerve-wracking, but it's great. It is the trilogy now, so it's it, you got to come out hard and strong. Yeah, yeah, and and so this year we're like we're trying to raise fifty percent more money than we did last year, and so that's always nerve-wracking. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I'm pretty confident we can do it. We're we're already at like at fifty-three percent right now, and it's going to be awesome. What's the date frame for the Kickstarter? What is it going out until? Uh, it's going out till March third. 27 so days left as of, as yeah, of the, the 3rd of February. Yep, 27 days left, and um, and we're 53%. And um, and so there's a couple things that happened when that Kickstarter went live um, that I, I, you know, I guess this was kind of a failure on my part to really get the word out. I mean, I got the word out that the Kickstarter was, was live because we, we hit 50% fairly quick. But uh, three things happened. The Kickstarter went live. Uh, room reservations were open. Um, cause we have a special con rate. So we have, uh, it's $85 for a room and that's a, that's, that's a living room suite. So that's a heck of a deal. Yeah. It's a really great deal. And, um, you know, that, that, uh, the, the couch in the living room pulls out to another bed. So it's, it's almost like having two bedrooms basically for 85 bucks. Uh, and then the third thing was GM signups. So the GM signups have been live since day one of the Kickstarter. And so I'm going to be pushing those other two things a little bit more where people kind of become more aware that, hey, by the way, sign up for some rooms. Um, mm-hmm. because it's, you know, you're going to want to get a room for Crit Hit because, uh, because it's, it's, it's a different kind of a thing, man. You want to hang out and you, you want to go have some drinks and it's probably better just go and crash in your room. Oh, heck yeah. And, um, and then for GMs, as usual, um, this is kind of standard for, for us. Uh, GMs do not pay. To get in a crit hit ever, that's not a thing. Um, if you run, uh, if you run eight hours of games, um, you know, if you want to run four RPG and four board games, that's cool. However, you want to mix it up, just eight hours. Mm-hmm. If you do eight hours, um, you get uh, your badge and uh, and a, and another badge, so you get two badges and um, and a and a pint glass. Because <laughs> if GM, that, you probably drink. If if you're a GM, you need to drink, or after the game, you'll definitely need a drink. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, GM pint glasses are going to be a thing this year. And um, so I had I had this whole thing last. So the first year, the first two years, uh, well, the first year there were like custom, there were handmade um, acid etched glasses. Uh, and then last year I ran into a problem with with. Um, the manufacturing of these things and, and, and I had to switch a lot of things were happening. We had to switch gears as far as like who was going to make them and how they're going to get made. And so finally, you know, I, I didn't get them out to my jams in time, sadly, but they're on order right now and I should have them next week. But I have the 2016 glasses, which are going to be kind of a, uh, uh, I believe they're kind of like a, an orange color is what I got them. And, and so it's just the, the C, the crit hit logo, the, the crit hit logo is a C. And then this year is I'm going to do like blue and pink, because that's our colors. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is that like if you GM long enough, 
for crit hit, you'll have like a set of like these multicolored <laughs> logo uh, pint glasses. You know, the perfect addition to any at-home bar. I'm just saying. Exactly. Well, I mean, that goes kind of part of the whole like crit hit thing, right? Like, um, so crit hit is uh, is this year uh, definitely putting my foot down is is 18 and over, mm-hmm. and that's that's been unexpectedly mildly controversial. Uh, th- that one surprised me. I mean, it's that's that's actually really important that we do bring that one up that it is 18 and over. But honestly, as a GM, I kind of appreciate that. I mean, of course, then again, I'm in my 40s, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> most most of my gaming group ranges from 28 to 40. You know, so right. So I completely understand that, and that way, liability alone. I mean, just from a venue running event for you guys, it's got to make liability easier. It does. Uh, it does make liability easier. Um, and and crit hit from its inception, from day one when I first started talking about doing this, was supposed to be supposed to be a getaway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, I'm in my 40s. You know, I have kids. I have a job. I have all the you know all the trappings of life. And I wanted something. You know, as a parent, and I you know, like I said, I have kids. As a parent, as a parent. You know, uh, I don't know if you have kids or not, but but as a parent, you give up a lot of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just sort of your duty, right? You have a duty to your kids, and so you you give up you know time, you give up money, you give up you know you give up a lot of things um, for your kids um, to provide for them and to help them grow and to nurture them and all that stuff. Um, I wanted Crit Hit to be sort of a little a little break, a little chance to sort of get back and and into that space where um, you know, a lot of us got into gaming when we were young and, and I wanted credit to be an opportunity to sort of reach back and, and have fun like we did when we were kids and really reach back into that, that deep part of us really, you know, just fell in love with, uh, you know, uh, playing, you know, make believe, which is, you know, that's what games are essentially mm-hmm. is playing make believe. And so I wanted, I wanted something, you know, like that. Uh, the first year for crit hit, it was 13 and over, Last year was supposed to be 18 and over, but I messed up the Kickstarter. <laughs> and, um, and so I didn't put it in there. And then like late last, uh, you know, when I had the game schedule up, people were like, how come all the games say 18 and over? I was like, cause it said 18 and over in the Kickstarter. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, it didn't. I was like, yeah, it did. I put it in there. And then I went and looked and sure enough, I didn't save. So <clears throat> there were some kids last year and that was exactly the wrong direction that I wanted. I, I, I never wanted something where there's a bunch of kids running around. Um, just because, again, I, I wanted something that was kind of a break for adults. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and, and games tend to get a little rowdy and, and language tends to get colorful. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, the way I looked at it is every other convention for almost any kind of genre is, uh, is kid friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, I want a crit hit to be, uh, you know, adults only. That's not to say the crit. So part of crit, and I'll kind of back up for a second. I want crit hit to be adults only. So 18 and over, adults only. You know, a big consideration for the venue has always been how close is there a bar? Mm-hmm. Right. So like, so like this year, literally, like where all the board games and vendors and, and panels and all that, it's right next. Like it's it's attached to the bar. Like it's it's 50 <laughs> feet. If it's 50 feet, I'd you know I'd be surprised if it's 50 feet. But it, it's like the bar is right there, and that was important. It was like go get a beer, hang out, right. You get sacked uh, by the robber baron. You go drink, drink it off. You know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um. But Crit Hit is, is also, in the last, you know, three years, has also uh, grown, um, 
you know, in fits and spurts, but we're, we're a small community mm-hmm. and it's not just the convention. Um, I do small game days throughout the, throughout the year. So like in October this year, we had uh, Sanity Lost 2 and Sanity Lost 2 was a day of uh, horror board games and RPGs over at Boulders and Broadway in Tempe. So we took mm-hmm. up like this top floor of this bar and we all had beers and burgers and played games all day. Mm-hmm. And we that's the second year that we've done that. And then this year in November, we had something called uh, Crit Hit Presents Dead and Breakfast. And Dead and Breakfast was we took over a haunted hotel in Bisbee. The Oliver House. And the Oliver House, yeah. yeah. We, we love that place. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we took over the Oliver House. Like, literally took it over. Like, that was we, every room we rented out, right? And we sat around all weekend and just played games in this haunted house. And it was amazing. Um, you know, last year we had, like, a charity event that we did called Slay Bells, S-L-A-Y. Um, <laughs> this year... Um, there's a couple of small events that we want to do. So the next one up is in March. We're going to do something called uh, Tiny Epic Fest. Mm-hmm. And Tiny Epic Fest is a celebration of the Tiny Epic line of board games. And um, because I love these games, but I never get to play them. <laughs> so I'm like, well, fuck it. I'm going to have a, a game day where that's that's what I'm doing as I'm playing these games. So we're going to have a game day called Tiny Epic Fest. And um, and that's that's kid-friendly. It's important to be kid friendly, and it's also gonna be kind of like a potluck. Like I'm encouraging people to bring like um, mini food, any anything that's like small, like those little mini cupcakes or the little you know little sliders or whatever. Like I want like mini foods for Tiny Epic Fest, and um, and so that's kid friendly. Um, I'm working on setting up a a role playing day for parents and kids to play together um, because I think that's important. As much as I want credit to be adults only. I'm also a parent and I also want to set up some of these other events that are kid friendly because I think, you know, playing games with your kids is an important bonding experience. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's huge for you. For, and, and after all, you got to start them young. I mean, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and you got to start them young. And, and I think it's a, it's a great opportunity to sort of bond with your kids in a, in a very memorable way. You know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm middle-aged. I'm, you know, I'm not going to be around, you know, forever. And, and when, when I'm gone, you know, I would like, you know, my kids to have memories of like going on these epic raids and slaying monsters and being heroes, you know, with their old man, right? Like that's, that's, what's going to be left of me once I'm gone. And so that's, you know, that's important to me to, to create these memories with these kids mm-hmm. and, and give them a foundation and let them know that they're important and stuff like that. And so, so I, I, I have a strong belief in, in gaming with kids, but I also think the parents need to break. <laughs> yeah. So which, could it, could it is, is that break? It's a great adult vacation, gamecation, you know, where you get to go game and vacation at the same time. Well, yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, so I, I caved into sort of peer pressure because everyone keeps calling it crit hit con. Um, but, and so, yeah. And then, so I even, you know, label it as, you know, Arizona's tabletop gaming convention. I think, you know, after the Kickstarter is over and once the actual official things start coming out for for Crit Hit, um, I'm I'm done using the convention title. Mm-hmm. I think I think con and conventions, uh, I think they need to die. Uh, especially currently, things are changing a lot in the convention world. <clears throat> oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think the current I think the current state of what a con is needs to go away. 
I think it's not, I don't think it's good. I think it works for some people and it works for some conventions. I think for what crit hit is, I don't think, I don't think that works. And I don't want to, I don't want to use the term con anymore. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, going forward, um, most likely starting this year and definitely if there's a 2019, uh, it's going to be gaming retreat. That's a good one because it is a weekend getaway. I mean, it's a weekend getaway. Yeah. And it's social and it's, mm-hmm. it's not about, you know, old school. So there's like, I have this whole sort of last Jedi mentality about things lately. Um, <laughs> because I'm on the fence at that. Like, I think that's one of the greatest Star Wars movies ever made. Uh, simply because the message in there was a brilliant one that I think got lost. And, and the message is that you have to sort of, you know, let go of what you think things are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But at the same point in that movie, like, uh, you know, uh, the, the original text survived, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning they're going to they're going to build a new generation with the foundations of the past to create something new. But don't let and, the past be a prison. Exactly, yeah. and that's that's kind of where I'm at. Where I'm like, conventions need to die. Um, we need to go back to almost the roots of what conventions used to be like in the 70s, mm-hmm. right, in the early 80s, and then build sort of new models with those principles. Um, not everything can be Phoenix Comic Con or Phoenix Comic Fest. Mm-hmm. You know, not everything can be these big giant, um, you know, conventions. And that's great. Like they're, they're, they're great things for what they are. But I think the idea was that everyone else wanted to emulate that and be that. And I think even crit hit to a certain extent, I begrudgingly added things to try and make it sort of that same experience because people expect that. Mm-hmm. But I don't want that anymore. I want people, I want people to stop thinking or at least for crit hit to start thinking of it as a retreat. It's a time to get away. It's, 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 it's your little vacation for two or three days. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason why it's 18 and over. And it's part of the reason why, you know, I'm going to stop using the term convention. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's true. My favorite conventions that we go to aren't really your typical Phoenix Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con. It's the smaller, more, you know, unique field cons, you know, where it's, it's not really convention. It's a bunch of people for this one theme getting together and doing their thing. You know, like, you know, you guys plus RingCon, Wild West Con. I mean, it's right. the themes that it's not just a convention going out to be the, like, every other major city's got one of these conventions. It's a right. gathering that's got the word contact onto it, but it's not really the the math of a con, you know, the, the right. metric. Yeah, exactly. I think the, the, the term has just sort of survived over time. You know, and sometimes you can't get rid of it. Like Rincon can't get rid of Rincon because it's that's the name, right? Mm-hmm. But but Rincon's a perfect example. Um, you know, it, it feels less like a convention and more like a social a getaway. Gathering. Yeah, a social gathering. Yeah, I mean, hell, I was in the bar drinking, talking with you know <laughs> a bunch of people, and you know, and 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 that's cool. Like that's you know, it's it's not packed. It's it's very chill and. Mm-hmm. And you're having a good time and relaxing, and that's that's really what it's about. You can be walking down a hallway, then all of a sudden somebody pops out and says, "Hey, I got two seats open for this game. Do you do you want to play?" <laughs> I'm like, "Yep, I sure yeah. do." And Why? Yes, go. I have I have free time. Let's go. <laughs> have dice, yeah, especially, and <laughs> especially with like board games, right? So, mm-hmm. um, I'll I'll kind of pimp a little bit about uh, the crit hit mentality for board games. Um, most board game that are held at conventions, most board games are um, essentially, here's a library, and here's some scheduled games, 
and here's some tournaments of stuff that there's always tournaments of. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of that's kind of the model for most conventions, and I think it works for some people. Um, there's no reason for me to do that though. Um, so, you know, the spirit of crit hit really is sort of indie games. Um, like we we love our Dungeons and Dragons and we love our Pathfinder, but you know, a a third or maybe more than a third of our games are indie games, right? And that says a lot. Um, so I wanted board games this year to reflect sort of the, the ethos of Crit Hit, which is indie games. So um, for our board games, we're going to have a heavy selection of indie games. Um, so indie board games, like all these weird little board games pop up on Kickstarter that are really cool, like that's kind of what our bread and butter is going to be. Mm-hmm. The other part of it, is, um, let's see, how can I say this diplomatically? <laughs> I think board gaming in conventions works, and it obviously works because people like it and they continue to do it. Um, but I think there's there's definitely a segment that is neglected. And board gaming in conventions usually falls, in my opinion, on two things. Your Euro gamers, right? So pushing mm-hmm. a bunch of wooden cubes around trying to collect victory points mm-hmm. and your um, uh, kind of like your old standbys, like ticket to ride, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's sort of like these, these games that everyone plays. Like there's always ticket to ride. There's always, I'm trying to think of another one. It seems like ticket to ride is always the one that I see everywhere, but yeah. it's like ticket to ride <laughs> and, 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 you know, you might have like a Lords of Waterdeep or, or, you know, something along those lines. And it's sort of these, you know, these games that everyone sort of plays, right? Mm-hmm. The things that get lost though, I think sometimes are what I call adventure board games or dungeon in a box games. Mm-hmm. So I like Ameritrash games. Don't get me wrong. I love me some Euro games. Like I have Euro games and most people don't know that about me, but like if you go to my collection, I have you know, some pretty, some pretty good Euro games where it's just cubes and you're pushing them around and you're just burning your brain, right? Mm-hmm. But I also love me some Ameritrash. And so Ameritrash games are usually defined as like heavy theme, right? Yeah. Heavily themed games. And so I love those games. I love games with lots of theme. Um, Arkham Horror is like one of my favorite games, right? Mm-hmm. Elder Horror and stuff like that. Yeah, Elder Sign. I love that one. Elder Sign's a great game too. Yeah, it's a great little dice game. So Crit Hit is going to actually embrace that part of it, you know, the, the part that everybody else sort of ignores for the big competition games and the big, and the Euro games is I'm going to embrace this sort of dungeon in a box and adventure game. So any game we have like a character sheet, that's, that's going to be kind of our jam. So we're talking like the D and D board games. We're talking descent. We're talking, uh, Gloomhaven. We're talking, you know, any of these games, you know, mice and mystics mm-hmm. and these games where you have a character sheet and, and you're going on an adventure and telling a story through a board game. That's going to be kind of what we're, we're going to be focusing on focusing on as well as um, indie games, and that's great because that lets people try before they commit to buying. Because a lot a lot of those games they do have a little bit of a high price tag, but they're so worth it. Trust me, yeah. you know, with, the, with the quality you get, it's so worth it. But a lot of folks are hesitant to buy it just from seeing it online and things. Now they can actually play with it, get into the game, see what a good time it is, and the fact that literally, you know, most of those are a great example of if, like, say, your game group doesn't all make it. You bust out that right. box, you can have a one-night shot with this game and have a blast playing it. Right. No, especially stuff like, like D&D, right? Yeah. Um, D&D board games? Yeah. Um, so here's what we're going to do with D&D, is, is I'm going to give you one better. Um, so the D&D board games typically have a campaign attached to them. 
about 12, it's about 12 games, mm-hmm. right? And if you've ever played any of these D&D board games, you know that one adventure, one scenario, if you will, of, of the campaign, uh, if you know what you're doing, you can play it in about an hour, mm-hmm. sometimes a little less. So what we're going to do at Crit Hit is we're going to take some of these games, um, like a, a D&D board game where I'm working on it with one of my friends. We're taking the campaign, which is like 12 scenarios, and we're going to cut it down to eight. And then we're going to split that in half. So Saturday in one RPG block of four hours, you can sit and play D&D as a block for four hours, and it's the first half of a campaign. And then Sunday you come back, and there's another block of four hours, which is the last half of the game. So you can play an entire campaign. You can play an entire box set in one weekend. That's a great way of doing it. And that way, in case people coming and going, you know, you can, if you're committed, you can sit through and go through the entire thing, which is great. Right. And you don't have to do it all at once. It's like Mm -hmm. Saturday, I'll play, you know, I'm going to play, I'm going to play, you know, D&D fifth edition, you know, on Saturday. And then after that, I'm going to play a D&D board game. And then at night, I'm going to, you know, maybe play another game. I'll play Call of Cthulhu or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and then Sunday, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to play, you know, I'm going to play some uh, some Dungeon Call Classics in the morning. In the afternoon, I'm going to finish that D&D campaign, right? So that's the whole idea is that, that you can play through an entire campaign in a weekend. Which that that's a great way of doing it because that way you get the complete sense of completion, you know that that you actually did the whole set. Right. Yeah. And uh, and then even at night, like, and I'll kind of segue into like some of the night stuff um, about Crit Hit because I know we're getting short on time. Um, at night, Crit Hit also last year, uh, we had uh, the guys from Crazy Making Ups come out, and um, Crazy Making Ups is this cool party game um, that if you're drinking, it's better. You want to drink while you play this game. Um, I'm not saying that gamers are alcoholics, but I'm saying that beer is fun. And uh, so Crazy Make'em Ups is basically like this really crazy drinking game. That's It's a mix of uh, – I can't even describe it. It's You have to just do weird stuff with objects and, and, and so like part charades, and, and it's, it's just – it's crazy. Um, and it's, it's a lot of fun. And, and they had a blast last year. So this year they're going to do it again. So at the end of the night, before that last block of games, there's going to be crazy make em And if you don't want to play the last block of games, that's cool because we're going to do like what we did last year. Last year we had something called Roll and Mole, uh, which was an, a full blown comedy show at the end of the night. <laughs> Cause of course that, that's another thing too, is the conventions got more than just games. I mean, you do have the vendor hall. <clears throat> Yeah, the vendor well, hall. Mm-hmm, which is yep. great, because that way you can find you know some of the indie games for sale from their vendors. Exactly. Which there's exactly. nothing there's nothing more fun than playing with the GM and he can say the book is available downstairs. Go get it. Exactly, and um, and so yeah, so we're gonna have the, the big the big comedy show. Um, that's part of our track of panels. Um, so Saturday night's gonna we're gonna have a big like comedy show. Like I said, we're gonna have panels. You mentioned the vendor hall. Um, I'm doing something a little bit different for my vendor hall and my panels. Mm-hmm. Vendor Hall and panels are free to attend. See, that's cool. Yeah. So if even if you don't want to play a game, but you want to go and pick up some stuff, or you just want to go socialize, or you just want to sit down on the panel, mm-hmm. like come sit in on the panel. Like it's free. Um, it's, it's still 18 and over. If you're under 18, you have to be with an adult um, for that. Um, but uh, but that you know, come shop. You know, mm-hmm. come shop. Come have a drink with us. You know what I mean? Watch a panel. Hang out. 
Um, there's going to be podcasters there. Um, you know, hopefully you're going to be doing like a podcaster. I don't know. We haven't talked about that, but you know, bring your shit down, record a podcast. <laughs> you know, um, I'm encouraging podcasters to like have a game ready to play See that, so you can play with your fans. Fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I listen to your podcast, I want to go play with you. you Heck yeah. I mean? Like be cool. And, um, and so, you know, do all that, come down and that's free. You don't have to spend a dime for any of that. But my hope is that like you get excited and you're like, Hey, I'm going to go buy a day pass. Mm-hmm. So, the day after the Kickstarter ends, we fund through Kickstarter. We need everyone to, to contribute to the Kickstarter. Um, we definitely need that. But the day after Kickstarter ends, ticket sales are going to go on, are going to go up. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have tickets at the door too. So, you know, hopefully if you come down to, to do some shopping or watch a panel, you get excited and you want to play a game. Cool. We'll have tickets for you and come, come join us. Yeah, and definitely check out the Kickstarter because there is, you know, every year you guys give great swag. I mean, that's one of the cool things with you guys is like the dice. You are doing the dice again this year, right? We're doing the dice again this year. Um, they're probably going to be pink is what I'm looking at, pink and black, because mm-hmm. um, uh, I like playing with people's expectations of things. Um, and, and our main color is pink and blue. Uh, we're not doing bags this year because I, I did two years of messenger bags. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I don't, I don't think I'm going to do bags this year. Uh, but we are, what I am doing is what I'm calling the crit canteen, which is a, a, a steel water bottle. And so that should be pretty cool. And, uh, and then, uh, everyone who pledges on the Kickstarter is going to get, um, a document holder, like mm-hmm. a, uh, basically like something to carry your character sheets in. Mm-hmm little plastic folder with a credit logo on it. Which is great and, for keeping all your game stuff nice and in one place. Yeah, so the, that's some of the swag. And then uh, part of the, the perks of pledging to the Kickstarter is when signups, so all the signups are going to be online, uh, Kickstarters are going to have first dibs at all the games to sign up. That, that's uh, a great way for rewarding patrons. Exactly. So you're kind of like a VIP, right? So you're going to be... Um, and same thing like for the panels, there's going to be like a, the first row of chairs is going to be four backers. And, and then the first people who get to sign up for games, um, once, when I open up the games, it's going to open to the, to the Kickstarters. If you're a Kickstarter, you'll be able to access the online registration. And then, um, and then that you'll have a, I haven't decided how many days, if it's going to be 10 days or seven days, but it's going to be between seven and 10 days. I still have to work out the, the logistics with the, with the software and, and, and the dates for everything. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be between seven and 10 days where you're going to have a window before the general public does to sign up for games. That's, that, that's a great way of, you know, scratching their back back, you know, of the, hey, quick, sign up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, it's, it's 45 bucks for three days. Which is uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's a great price. I mean, that's that's as, as price points go, that's an amazing price for for getting into any major event. Right, and and I wanted to keep it low, and and I think, you know, for what you get is for a Kickstarter, it's not only the three days, but you get the dice and the little uh, document holder too. Mm-hmm. So that's and and a week's uh, lead time on signing up for games. Yeah, so that way uh, you won't get left behind. Exactly. Because after all, that's the hardest part is the day they unlock the games, everybody signs up. <laughs> yeah, and you'll be competing with everyone else, but it's you're on the same level mm-hmm. as everyone else who, who backed. So, And, and I'll, I'll let people know, like, hey, you know, games are going to open up, you know, in three days, two days. I'll, I'll do a countdown mm-hmm. so that way everyone's prepared. Get a call to action. Exactly. And, hey, the way I always, you know, look at it with our friends with conventions and stuff, if the game you wanted to play is full, maybe you should run one, too. Exactly. We're always looking for GMs, and we're going to do – I'm going to borrow a page from Rincon, 
So from the first year, people kept telling me to do this. Um, uh, one of my buddies, Jonathan, was, was the I'll, I'll give him the credit from day one. He told me before I, when I was even planning credit, still in the planning stages of it, like three years ago, he said, you need to do uh, basically a roundup the way that they do at Rincon and uh, and at um, and at, um, what do you call it? The muster station, the musters. Yeah, you need to do a muster. Um, and I was like, I don't know if that works. I don't know if that works. And I was hemming and hawing it. And so this year we're going to do a muster because I went to Rincon and I saw it in action. I was like, oh, my God, this is brilliant. Mm-hmm. It yeah. is brilliant. Yeah, we've gone, we've gone to Rincon every year except for the year it didn't happen. And uh, my friend Ron, he, he he he's heading the muster station last year, and, and it was flawless. I mean, it was, you show up, you get in line. Like, like last year, great little story is – we were signed up to play Seven Seas. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the GM was it's sick at home. He didn't make it out to the con. John goes walking by because he had a little booth where he's selling his, you know, near the muster yeah. station. And he's like, you guys are here for Seven Seas? Let's go to my room. And he literally rounded us all up, took us to the room, and we just came up with an ad hoc game right then and there in his room. Yep. It's like, how amazing is that? Just because he heard from the muster station that the person running his game didn't show up. And let's go play a game, you know. Well, it's it's that, and it's also like, um, like you know, some people, you know, there'll be like six people at a, at a game, mm-hmm. and when you have a muster station, the way that it works, uh, and the way that we're gonna do it at Crit Hit is the same way at Rincon. If you went to Rincon, is you know, there's gonna be little stations with, you know, I'm gonna do um, uh, probably letters or numbers, mm-hmm. um, colors, right? So there'll be like blue and orange and purple, or, or you know, A's or whatever. So you go to A when it's your time for the game, but before the game, you see everyone else that's lined up for all the other games. And if I'm in a game that has six people and I see another game that only has like two, mm-hmm. me personally, I'll go to the game that has two because I yeah. like smaller groups. Yeah, exactly. Because you know that your game, your GM's got enough group so you can jump over and jump into something smaller. Exactly. Um, and and uh, and others, and I've had people tell me the exact opposite. Where if they see that like there's five and there's an opening for one more, they'll jump in that one because they like those big games, and that's cool. Like mm-hmm. a muster system allows you to do that. Now you still pre-register for those things, so you're guaranteed a spot if you pre-register. But that muster system lets you manage people so much easier, and um, and and so that's where we're going to go with this year. And anything that makes running the the con easier is better for everyone. It really is. Exactly. It's all about the experience. Crit Hit is 100% about having the best game experience and really pushing um, what it means to go to these types of events. Mm-hmm. So, so Jim, one thing I, j- I just got to ask you. If somebody at Crit Hit sees you at the bar and walks <laughs> up with their GM mug and offers to buy you a drink, what is your drink of choice? Scotch. <laughs> Scotch neat or That's... Scotch on the rocks? No, 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 neat, neat, neat. It's always it's okay. scotch or whiskey. Yeah, no, no. Uh, sometimes on a whiskey, I'll, I'll I'll have like a little sliver of ice, just to just a little tiny bit, because um, some whiskeys I think need a little bit of water, mm-hmm. just a tiny bit, just to open them up. Um, but for the most part, scotch never. It's always neat. You don't you can't put anything in scotch. It's it's an abomination <laughs> if you do. It's a sin. It is a sin. All right, perfect. See, I just I just had to throw that question out because you know since the right. bar is so close, you know you never know at so many convention you know gaming cons. I've had the, the the bar moment where you get to meet somebody, have a drink with them, just chill and relax. Oh, yeah. and, 
And that's that's one of the things we love with with game cons is the while you're eating or drinking, that's you can socialize outside of the game with someone you just met that day, and you've got a friend for life usually. Or or like we always joke that even even if I don't see you for three years and I see you a year later, I don't remember your name maybe, but I remember your face. And we have what we 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 jokingly call con face. You know, we right. know you, you're friends. You know, come sit with us, join us, let's exactly. reconnect. Exactly. That's that's exactly it. That's what it's all about. All right. I know I've you know kidnapped you for a little longer than we were talking about, but is there any last-minute things you want to throw out there for the convention? Any shameless plugs? Uh, no, just go on Kickstarter, look up Crit Hit and um, Crit Hit Three, and uh, and pledge. We have uh, different pledge levels, and uh, we're still looking for vendors, and it's going to be fun. Uh, it's our biggest year. Uh, it's it's the most ambitious one as far as like funding goes. Um, so each and every person uh, is helping build not only this convention, but the community around it. So all the smaller events, um, all these things, they all tie into Crit Hit. And, and, and people who pledge to that, you become part of what, what we lovingly call the Chaos Crew. And, um, and if you show up and you say you're part of the Chaos Crew, we'll know who you are because you've got to sign in. You may get a button that has a cool little Chaos logo on it because we want to say thank you to everybody. Ah, there's a good little teaser there. And yeah. also, uh, if I, I want to throw it out there just social media-wise. If you can't back the Kickstarter, please share the Kickstarter. Please mention it on social media. If you're a gamer, definitely bring it up to your gamer friends. I mean, definitely, yeah. Spread the word. You know, there's more than one way to support, so just you know, support in any way that you can. Absolutely. And one other quick question: Do you guys do volunteers? I don't think yes, we mentioned that, so I figured. Um, yeah, most of the volunteers are are going to be like for GMs or for panels, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's that link is up on the on the Kickstarter. So and I'll have that up on the website, which is crithitaz.com. Perfect, because I'm all about telling folks, volunteer and help, you know. It's, it's all a community. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so I definitely want to thank you for being on the show. I mean, uh, we'll definitely get this posted up on uh, Monday and Tuesday um, on both of our podcasts for, for this week. Awesome. And uh, definitely... Yeah, I, have to get on, I have to get on and, and, and get in on one of those live plays. I want to oh. play some. Oh, heck yeah, because we've been doing a couple Roll20s plus the uh, Abtab groups trying to... to wrangle me to running a couple games on their their group uh, so there you, go. there you go so it's like okay i'll run some games online but i really like running in person it's 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 my thing i like seeing people's faces <laughs> me too me too but I'm, I'm getting to the point that i realize it's you know maybe, maybe i'm holding on to something you know I, I i prefer to game in person but you know what mm-hmm. if you know you gotta sometimes deal with stuff and, and i'm starting to yeah, yeah. This is this is my old man Grognard coming out. We're like, no, you got to be in person in front of a table. But I'm like, you know what, man? Like, you know what? I I, I have to come to the realization that sometimes I'm gonna have to do it in front of a computer. Yep. Hey, as long as you're gaming, that's the important part. Exactly. All right, and thank Jim. Thank you for being on the show, and thank you for coming up with this amazing thing, which is Crit Hit. I mean, especially this year, Murder Hobos on holiday. I mean, it says everything. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. Thank. Thank you, and 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 hope to see everyone out there. Oh, definitely. And uh, we'll, we'll, of course, talk again, and uh, maybe I can grab you after the, the Kickstarter's finished and talk again about it. Oh, absolutely. Once uh, some of those secret things can actually be spoken aloud. Exactly. And uh, social media-wise, is there any place folks can follow you on the Facebook, Twitter, yeah, or a certain blog for Southern Arizona? <laughs> uh, um, so uh, so there's, there's definitely... Your blog, the one that, if you know this podcast, you know where to go for this kind of stuff. But, uh, on Facebook, we're, uh, uh, Crit Hit AZ. And also on Instagram, I'm trying to get better about Instagram, Crit Hit AZ on there as well. And then our website is CritHitAZ.com. 
And um, and then just look us up on on Kickstarter, also Crit Hit. Yeah, the the exact title is Crit Hit Exclamation Three Arizona's Tabletop Gaming Convention. Exactly. So definitely check it out and uh, start joining conversation on the comments. Absolutely. See you guys then. All right. Talk to you later, Jim. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. And feel free to enjoy our other shows, such as D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition and Scion Ragnarok and Roll, a Scion hero to Ragnarok story. Thank you for listening. Here in the force of Alandril, we elves defend the woods from beasts and men. I myself have helped drive off goblin raiders, slain a giant spider, and composed an elven symphony for the Blood Moon Harvest Festival. And that was before lunch. So when I'm not sliding down the trunk of a barbarian elephant beast after killing it and its occupants with only my dagger and a few arrows, I look forward to coming home to a dungeon crate. Dungeon Crate is a monthly subscription box service crafted specifically for RPG and tabletop gamers. Miniatures, dice, tokens, coins, maps, modules, terrain pieces, handmade items, RPG jewelry, and more are yours for only a few gold per month. You even get a digital crate along with a physical one as an added bonus. As an elf, I appreciate quality craftsmanship, and Dungeon Crate delivers, even if it's put together by humans. Sir, sentries have discovered several dwarves and a wizard trespassing in our woods. I was wondering what that smell was. DungeonCrate.com. Are you ready? Let the adventure begin.